every day. Every day when the tide came in to fill the marshlands, the minnow would visit the oyster beds. It would swim in and out among the crevices and round and round the ever-heaping mound of shell as the chant rang out in unison among those oyster shells, higher and thicker, higher and thicker. A shell is an oyster's only protection from the world beyond, you know. Even though no oysters in recent memory have had much exposure to the world beyond, that it is a threatening and scary place is something that's just understood, something embedded deep within the bed itself. Higher and thicker, they'd chant, and higher and thicker their bed and shells would grow. It was their daily obsession, their lifelong task. And our friend, the little minnow, as it would make its daily rounds, would swim through the bed with half a mind towards curiosity and half a mind towards concern. The minnow, too, after all, was a tiny creature and one that actually did venture beyond the towering oyster mounds further into the marshlands and out into the coastal, coastal open seas beyond. Like the oyster, too, the minnow could build, though not a shell, but a pile of pebbles that it could stack up with its mouth one by one. Is there something to this higher and thicker thing? It would ask itself. The world can be dangerous at times, yes, but in my daily tour through the marshes and shores, I have swam with the clams and the hermit crabs. I've played in the seagrass and darted with my friends up and down the shores on sunny days as the waves go in and out, in and out. I witness the beauty of the shimmer of sunlight on the water at dawn every day and the mysterious colors and billowing clouds on the oceans at dusk. I have taken shelter, yes, with sisters and brothers in deep waters among the kelp when the storms have rolled in too. But because of that, I've discovered their companionship in this great adventure of life. I have built a house of pebbles for me and my mate, but it never occurred to me to build a shell and just stay there. As risky as it may be to venture around the way that I do, it seems to me that there's a risk in building shells as well. I just don't think I could ever be an oyster, the minnow said, as it left the bed and continued along its daily rounds. Shells are risky too. And those oyster shells especially, perhaps, because in their entrenchedness, within those towering beds and in the ever-growing thickness of the shells themselves, they keep the oysters from going places and from seeing things that the minnow, at least, believes that a creature needs to see. Something about those shells have confined them too much. 
made a fortress into a prison. Something about those shells and those mounds as they've kept them away from the world beyond has cut short something. Cut short something at the heart of what it even means to be a creature in the first place. The ability to grow. And oftentimes to grow, we have to be willing to venture into some scary and risky places. You know, as we have been diving deeper and deeper into the theme of forgiveness over these past few weeks, I've been spending most of our time together talking about what it means to receive forgiveness. And perhaps you're starting to wonder by now if we'll ever get to the point, if we'll ever get to the subject of where you start to take up the work. In some part, I began where I did on this subject because that's where the Apostle Paul begins in Romans. But in some part, in some part, it's also because only to this point has Paul laid out the groundwork and spelled out those assurances that make it possible for us to truly venture out beyond the shell. You see, because forgiveness comes as well with its share of shells, it is a risky practice to engage in. And the places where it is most needed carry their own kinds of danger. It feels a whole lot safer to barricade our lives behind a shell and to spend our time focusing on building its walls thicker and higher. Thicker and higher. But it may well be that there is this whole beautiful life and opportunity for growth that gets cut short by that. And so what are those assurances? What is that deeper security that allows us and calls us to venture out beyond the shell? Paul writes in this morning's readings from Romans chapter 5, he says, Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God. Peace. And not just the peace that comes as a sort of silence and stillness at the end of a noisy conflict, but more so here the kind of peace that lays a new foundation for something. The kind that says, now that the strife is behind us, it's time to move out and to build. Since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, Paul writes. And in the line of argument that we've been tracing over these past few weeks through Romans, that means that there is a secure basis on which to move out bravely. That peace with God that's been made, that's been so firmly established, is like bedrock. He's been saying, we can gain a firm footing on that peace. We can put our full weight on it and trust that it won't give way. You see what he's been saying up to this point and, and that this verse simply summarizes is that since we are all inherently challenged in this sort of work on our own and under our own will and strength, Christ has brought it to us as a free and open gift. 
And as a free gift, as God's own free gift, we now have something more stable, more dependable on which to stand so that we can venture out beyond those shells. In fact, not just bedrock, really, but good hard pavement may be the better metaphor here. Because a big part of the point here today is that that fully dependable, fully established peace with God that he's talking about at the start here is something that you and I are called to walk out even further with and walk forward into some risky places that God might call us towards. Now this is a much beloved and perhaps very familiar passage in the Bible. Much beloved because Paul's words are so eloquent and so memorable as he comes to describe just how gracious, just how beautiful is this work of God in Christ that we've been involved and swept up within. Indeed, what is said here about the, about the timing of God's reconciling work in Christ is a core piece of the gospel message itself. But there's a part of this message here that I want to focus your attention in on that's equally important, but that perhaps tends to get passed over more quickly in getting to those more, more, more memorable parts. Notice with me where he goes immediately after he makes that summary statement about peace in that first verse. There in verse 3, he turns immediately to the subject of suffering, doesn't he? Very next sentence. He says, and not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings. He doesn't spell out exactly what he has in mind there, but as you can see yourself, in the progression of his line of thought here, he moves from summarizing his previous discussion about the free gift of grace from God that comes in the justifying work of Christ and the firm peace with God that that's established to a space where now, having moved further into the real life on the ground that's beyond that, he's come into contact with real suffering. Almost as though that were normal or to be expected in life. Of course, if you walk out into the world in the confidence of this kind of grace, you're going to run into suffering. You might have said, of course, that's just par for the course. But look at what he says about that suffering. He says, and not only that, but we boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, And character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. That suffering, those challenges, those rough spots in life, they're no longer things that are going to beat you down all the way into the ground. They're no longer things that are going to make you fear for your life, for your eternal soul. Those things, Paul says here at the beginning, are safe and secure and taken care of. No, instead of tearing down, as we face these things in faith and on the sure footing of that 
firmly established peace with God, these sufferings, these rough spots in life, instead become the places where we grow even more into what God wants to make us. Suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Character produces hope. In other words, as the message this morning has it, it says we know how troubles can develop passionate patience in us and how that patience in turn forges the tempered steel of virtue. I love that phrase. The tempered steel of virtue. Yes, indeed, standing on grace out there in the world will toughen up your spiritual life. No doubt about it. No doubt at all. And no doubt as well that so much of the growth that's there to be had in the Christian life comes when we take it out with us and live with it. Out there in the real world. And in fact, as we carry that grace and assurance with us into the real world and discover more deeply and more fully what it actually is and what it looks like to try it on for size in real lived ways. But I wonder, I wonder, you know, as we think with Paul about the ways that that walking out beyond our shells and the confidence of this peace might spark growth, I wonder if there isn't growth to be found in another sense as well. Because if we come back to the initial starting point here, from where it all began, the starting point of God's forgiveness and God's empowering grace for us that sets the stage for all of this in the first place, what would it literally have to look like to carry that out with us and to grow with it out there in the world? It would almost have to look like some sort of suffering, wouldn't it? If the core thing that God has done for me is to forgive me and to empower me into life. And if part of the intention of that forgiveness and empowerment is that I would receive it and grow with it and carry it out into the world with me, then I'm going to need to put myself where forgiveness is most needed. Aren't I? You and I are only ever going to grow in the practice of becoming forgiving and graciously empowering people, people who model Christ for the world, in those spaces and places where breaches and fractures in the human family are evident and where you and I can get to work. There is no practicing forgiveness and there is no growing in our capacity to be forgiving where there is no hurt, where there is no breach. There is no flight simulator for the practice of forgiveness. There are only those real-world scenarios that we are sometimes swept into, sometimes called to step into, where we are asked to grow as God's ambassadors for grace. There can be no growing as forgiving people without ever finding ourselves injured with a need to forgive. And that means that we're going to have to start being more present to that reality, doesn't it? That means that we're going to have to start looking at those scenarios through a very different lens 
and facing them with a very different sort of intention. That means that we're going to have to stop being so thin-skinned, church, and rather allow this calling, this practice of forgiveness to grow in us that tempered steel of virtue. If we could just face this clearly today and see what's ahead of us and look at this life again through the lens of grace and our commission into the life of grace, as Paul asks us to, I think we would see, as he says here today, that yes, Yes, unfortunately, there's no way through this life we've been called into that doesn't involve facing pain and the world's brokenness. And yes, even experiencing our share of hurt. But at the same time, at the very same time, exactly there is where we learn what grace is really all about. Exactly there is where God meets us and heals the world in us, and through us. Exactly there is where we grow to be more like Him. Exactly there is where we experience that there's life and growth, an important, necessary work in this life that lies beyond the shell where God is waiting to grow a redeemed and redeeming people. And all of God's people said, Amen.